Everybody and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 741 with a review of Barbie. I'm Christopher Schnezzi. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a theater near you this week. We are back. I was out there for a little bit of time, but we are regathering now to talk about Barbenheimer week late uh, maybe a little bit longer depending on when this episode comes out but you know we, we, we made it we survived the bomb we survived an explosion of pink and we are here yeah. to talk about it how does it feel to be back Stephen? feels good I'm, I'm excited to get back in the groove of um recording contemporary movies as they come out we do spoilers have a few things in the vault that <laughs> i don't know when they are going to drop i guess it depends what we want to do if we want to time them with vod or just get them out whenever they're edited but i think um yeah we we've recorded a little bit more than listeners might know and i think those will be fun whenever they come out but i'm happy to be back in big spectacle talking about the movie of the week the way the spoiler warning was meant to do none of none of this indie <laughs> bullshit you know we want to do big <laughs> I, I joke because I, I i think i have moved this podcast more towards indie and awards baby movies <laughs> over over the years um <laughs> But no, I'm excited to be back and talk about something fun like Barbie. I had a big smile on my face sitting alone watching Barbie in a theater packed wall to wall with pink around me knowing like I'm doing this for a podcast. Did did anybody give you glances or looks for not having been dressed up? No, they didn't. But strange. So I was at the Metreon, which as a rule, I tried to never do. But um <laughs> Barbie's <laughs> showtimes were just completely sold out in SF, so I took whatever I could get. Um, yeah. When I was there, not once but twice, a woman with a baby in a stroller, like different woman, sat down next to me for like five minutes and then walked up to me and went like, do you know what movie we're in? And I said, Barbie, <laughs> and then they left. <laughs> It happened twice. Is this a thing? Like people just like take their kids to movies, not knowing what they are to try to make them like fall asleep. I, it, it was so strange that it happened to me two times in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Like if, if we were in a, a part of the country that was much like hotter temperature wise, I could assume they mm -hmm. were just trying to find a seat somewhere to cool off. But then we're like, oh, I'm not yeah. going to sit through Barbie. But it's weird that like you would come into a theater with a sea of people dressed in pink and be like, huh. Did everybody just coordinate this just by chance? Yeah, the alternative version in my head was they asked me because they're like, why the fuck is this guy at Barbie? He's not dressed <laughs> oh, yeah. up at all. It wasn't. Oh, and then they me. just left in disgust after they learned that they were going to be stuck sitting next to me. It wasn't a, oh, I'm sorry. I'm confused. Do you know what theater this is? It was like, sir, do you know what theater this is? Yeah, sir, Oppenheimer is playing in <laughs> two screenings down. You're wearing all gray. <laughs> Yeah. You have blue eyes. Clearly, you're in the wrong place. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was actually kind of difficult to, to schedule seeing this film. I mean, um, we, you know, I, I, I've just spent uh, two weeks in Ireland. And on our last night before we flew home, um, you know, we're like, hey, we got one night to kill. Uh, we're trying to hang out close to the airport. Why don't we just go to this movie theater that I didn't realize was going to be in a mall? And then we started to see everybody dressed in pink. And I was like, oh, that's right. It's often it's Barbenheimer weekend. Um, this mm -hmm. is going to be a difficult uh, task to see it. And uh, 
was correct and then at the last second had to switch to uh seeing dead reckoning part two or part one and uh yeah and then it wasn't until like two weeks later that i got to actually see barbie so. Well, I'm glad you managed to catch up with it. As of now in SF, both Barbie and Oppenheimer, at least at Alamo, are still 100% sold out, like every screening, as far as I can tell. So it yeah. is um, the Barbenheimer machine is chugging along. And it's fun to see. I'm glad I'm, I'm glad to see. You would not think it would be for these two movies. It, it is a fun phenomenon. Not that we're going to say anything new about the Barbenheimer phenomenon that a million people yeah. haven't said already. But it's crazy. Like, even when, like, infinity war or something came out you could find a seat like after the first weekend or whatever uh, this is just nuts yeah and, and it's, it's especially weird for me too but because i was going to be out of the country i i didn't even pre-book tickets for most things i would just kind of like whatever i'll see what see how it's going to play when i got got back and maybe it's because we're usually buying tickets in advance and happening to get in the first day they go on sale that i've never noticed it maybe it's always like this but it sure mm -hmm. feels like it's a, a strange occurrence no, it, as someone who waits till the last minute, because I live like right above the Alamo, um, <laughs> this never happens. And in the big theater, at least you can always get a seat at the last minute, pretty much. Yeah. Um, th this is a strange phenomenon, the degree to which things are 100% selling out. Well, we're about to find out, uh, you know, whether or not it was worth all the hype. Um, we're going to talk about Barbie in this episode, and we're also going to have a, a review of Oppenheimer. But uh, what do you say, Stephen? Are we ready to get in this? Let's do it. We are going to take a listen to the trailer for Barbie and then come back and give you all a review. Hey, Barbie. Can I come to your house tonight? Sure. I don't have anything big planned. Just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. You can find me it's the best day ever. It is the best day ever. So is yesterday, and so is tomorrow, and every day from now until forever. Yes! You guys ever think about dying? When my heart breaks. Some things have been happening that might be related. When my world shakes. Cold shower. Ooh. Falling off my roof. Ah! And my heels are on the ground. <gasps> what do I have to do? You have to go to the real world. You can go back to your regular life, or you can know the truth about the universe. The choice is now yours. The first one, the high heel. You have to want to know, okay? Do it again. Closer, I am found. I'm coming with you. Okay. Wow, this is the real world. <laughs> What's going on? Why are these men looking at me? Yeah, they're also staring at me. Barbie in the real world. That's impossible. If this got out, this could mean extremely weird things for our world. This would be catastrophic! We haven't played with Barbie since we were like five years old. Oh! No one rests until this doll is back in a box. Even if nobody else 
only have one ending. Get that Barbie! Ideas live forever. No, I won't let you do just one appendectomy. But I'm a man. But not a doctor. Can I talk to a doctor? You are talking to a doctor. Can I need a clicky pen? No. A sharp thing? No. There he is. Doctor! Somebody get security. Is Bobby if you still in doubt? All right, so that was the trailer for Barbie. Um, basically, uh, Barbie's fantastical world and Barbie's dreamland uh, is going perfect until one day things slowly start to unravel and become not perfect, and she has to journey off into the real world to uh, figure out how to like sever this hole between the real world and uh, Barbie's dreamland. Um, Stephen Miller, what did you think of Barbie? Um, so, I think given the constraints of what Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach uh, are working with, uh, which is a four-quadrant movie produced by the toy company that it's also about, I think they did an amazing job. Uh, I'm saying they because Baumbach's the co-writer, but obviously this is Greta Gerwig's vision through and through. Um, And, like, I love Greta Gerwig. Um, I love pretty much everything she's in. I think her directorial films or anything she's written all kind of have a similar obsession with how it feels to be alive and be a little unmoored and trying to figure out what is your meaning? You know, why are you here? How can you make life meaningful? Lady Bird, Little Woman, uh, Frances Ha fits that bill. Like, like, I think this is just, this is so much her. And I think the fact that she managed to put all that in a movie about a Mattel doll and (laughs) make it four quadrant appealing. Like people adore this movie. It has made so much fucking money. Um, Yeah. She managed to do that while also making it actually say something, challenge people and just be like legitimately weird and unpredictable. Um, I I love that this movie exists. I I think that's great. I'm going to go into in a second some things I think make it less than perfect or like not my favorite, favorite movie of the year. But I think almost all of those come down to the assignment that she had. And that assignment just does not leave room to do the like incredibly biting, incredibly dark stuff that maybe I would um, (laughs) ideally want to see in what I think she's capable of. All Um, right, Steven, let's go ahead and mansplain Barbie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly. I know. I should say just off the bat, uh, in case people can't tell yet, we are two people who are cis men on this podcast. Uh, I am not. I'm not going to say I'm not the target demo of Barbie because I think everyone is the target demo of Barbie. Like I think it yeah. is a widely appealing movie. But anything I say about you know its take on what it means to be a woman or whatever, take it with like a million grains of salt and yeah. a Rob Thomas. Take song, it with the whole. Clearly, beach. I don't. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, But I I think this movie is hilarious. Uh, I mentioned after we listened to the trailer that I had not seen a full trailer for Barbie before. And I'm really glad I hadn't because a lot of the moments that made me laugh the most in this movie were surprises that came out of nowhere that it turns out are in the trailer. (laughs) Um, Things like when Barbie interrupts her dance party to suddenly muse on, you know, mortality. Um, Yeah. 
things where they just zag where something off kilter happens something you wouldn't expect i think the the production design of this movie is amazing it starts in this silly world very 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 lego movie reminiscent in how it begins where it's like here's the world everything is wonderful here's a song as our main character goes through their happy life and then we're gonna throw something in the gears that make it all break down um but where it goes from there is just so wacky and silly and in many places wonderful. Uh, like, I had a blast watching this movie, even in a crowded Metreon theater where canonically the audiences are not too great. Uh, here they were like, they were just loving this movie and I was vibing off of them a lot. Um, now, my hot take, which maybe isn't so hot and is super informed by my Ken-ness. <laughs> um, <laughs> is that I think this movie is the funniest and most biting when it is making fun of men, when it's taking the piss out of the patriarchy, when it's letting Ken be a doofus, when it's letting us laugh at Alan's, be Alan's beta-ness, when, it, when it's showing us here's why the world sucks as run by men. Hilarious, brilliant, love to pieces. Ryan Gosling made me like cry laugh multiple times in this movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> so good. I felt when this movie needed to present a kind of positive vision of feminism, of what the world could be, what it should be, it kind of felt like it didn't know what to do. Like, there's a monologue that America Ferreira gives, which is clearly the, like, stand-up-and-cheer moment in this movie. And many people in my audience did cheer, you know? So, it, it again, it rocked the assignment. They did what they had to do. But to me, it felt like a collection of phrases I would have heard in the 90s in a movie. Like, it, it didn't really <laughs> feel like it was saying anything specific or modern. And I felt a little bit, like, let down at first. Like, I felt like I know Greta Gerwig could absolutely give, like, a scathing, withering picture of, like, here's what has to change. And I felt like the fact that this had to be broadly appealing and make a ton of money and sell toys. Like, you can shit on stuff without alienating many people. But the moment you have to actually stand for something really specific, you immediately lose more than half your audience. And so I, I felt a little bit like it was a missed opportunity. But the more I thought about this movie later, the more I feel like that is kind of the point. Like, a, a lot of her movies are about, like the difficulty in finding the one quote right way to live or one way to be and realizing that it's okay to just like grapple with questions and not have an answer. So I, I kind of think the criticism that made me leave this movie with like a, you know, four out of five, like, like I felt like just a little bit clipped, like it was a little short of me loving it. I think if I rewatched it, I would maybe feel differently. But but that was kind of my feeling is that this movie was like killing it at the satire front. And then when it tried to be what I felt like audiences wanted it to be, which was like a motivational, inspiring, specific thing, it felt kind of like a bunch of platitudes. And like, I didn't think it added up to quite as much. Um, but overall, love this movie. Think it is like amazing that they managed to pull this off. And I think if I watch it a second time, I will like it even more. We'll get into all the jokes that made me laugh and all the amazing people in this movie and everything. But I want to let you give your initial impression first. 
Yeah, um, like obviously, I had a ton of fun uh, with this film. I, you know, I thought it was extremely enjoyable. I'll get into a few, you know, minor nits that I have uh, later on. But before I jump in too much far, too much further, I do want to ask a question. Do you think that that feeling that you got from the film was specifically her actually understanding the assignment? Because I feel that like, who this is this is a four quadrant film, but it's also sort of a, it understands the audience that is going to see it. And it doesn't think it's not going to reach anybody who would expect or need for her to have more of a message there. It's, it's a lot of, Hmm. it's a lot of purposely preaching to the choir in a comedic manner, right? Like part of the joy is like one of my, one of my kind of saddest things about my way of seeing the film was in the smallest theater that Alamo Drafthouse has, right? Just because that was the time frame that worked out the most to go see it. And this feels, you know, maybe for good and for ill, like a film that is meant to have audience participation, or at least a vibe that the entire audience is having at the same time, right? Like a lot of these jokes are not necessarily the deepest jokes. They're just saying, you know, they're, 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 they're saying semi-surface level comments about men and women, but they're doing it with this tongue-in-cheek way that makes it like everybody can kind of laugh together and be like, oh, I get it, right? You know, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's an experiment that is meant to, not, it's experience that's meant to be had with a bunch of people kind of sitting and cheering. Like this film is probably not going to hit at all the same if you were to VOD it at home by yourself on like right. a Thursday night, then it will sitting in a crowd of people dressed up who are all cheering, hooting, hooting and hollering and all that kind of stuff. Like it's, it's a film that's meant to be in conversation with the audience and not in a preachy way, just in a like, hey, we're all on the same side here. Isn't this funny? I'm going to visualize to uh, an extremely literal means like what these different th- parts of the patriarchy are, right? Like it's it's mm-hmm. a fun, like she's having a good old time. It's kind of like a... You know, sometimes we talk in a negative way about a film being like a sketch drawn out to two hours. And this is like mm-hmm. a, a pretty damn decent sketch drawn out to the three hours where it's still... It I, mean, I think it's like many sketches smushed together, which is yeah, part yeah. of the charm of it is you never know where it's going to go because it pivots so many times. Yeah. And, and I think too, like when, you know, when I first, like there's obviously a lot of hype around this film just based on knowing the creative talents going into it and not really knowing what this film is going to try to do. I think that this film makes a genuinely interesting, compelling story and actually took like, you know, we see a lot of like Battleship was turned into a film, right? Like, like there are a lot of things where it's like, how can that be a movie? And then it happens and you're like, all right, whatever. It was what it was. But this actually feels like a clever, interesting idea. Um, And, you know, you and I had had dinner with some people before we went home to sit down and record this episode but you know you you made a joking statement of like oh ken crushed it in that movie right you were being like the girl student. but i actually think it was a very interesting decision to center the realization of the patriarchy through ken's eyes and instead of being mm-hmm. like a like uh barbie is a fish out of water when she goes to the real world and then her comment constantly comment uh commenting on it it was like take ten ken who is going to be the embodiment of all these problems and put it through his eyes and show his excitement when he realizes it's a thing. Like, it, I just thought that was right. a very interesting way to flip that on its head instead of just make it be like, oh, I can't believe the world is like this. It was like, oh, my God, yeah. I can't believe the world's like this. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. it, it, it's a, it's I a mean, funnier it, it, way to dissect it. 
but it, it's funnier and it also which is why the irony that ben shapiro and all these you know fucking ridiculous people still took issue with the movie is making ken have that realization lets the movie give so much grace and very explicitly talk about like patriarchy is bad for all of us you know this is what you should do instead this is what you're compensating for like the movie again bends over backwards to be four quadrant which makes it even more hilarious that some people are still trying to you know boycott or complain about this movie because you know this movie is not anti anyone like almost I would say to a fault like because I, I just kind of wanted to have a little bit more teeth which again a Barbie movie was never going to have that so it's an unrealistic <laughs> expectation like I, I think you're right I think she understood the assignment and but it isn't that she's trying to not alienate people it's that she wants to give the audience what they want and generally what the audience wants is a you get it I get it let's just like share in talking about how ridiculous this is you know i just um i don't know there was something about the monologue that happens toward the end of the movie that just it felt like the kind of thing that gerwig and bombach are so clever they would normally like invert right after or point out that it's a cliche and it felt like in this case they were like no let's just give the people the cliche yeah, um, yeah. but again maybe it was deeply meaningful to people and i'm just a fucking asshole that, that was just my <laughs> feeling watching it. it was like so much of this movie is so like clever and preemptively knowing what the audience thinks and then turning it on their head or doubling down or doing all these other things and then a few moments just felt like it was serving the kind of softballs that i was afraid a barbie movie would be which this movie 95 percent is not yeah um, yeah that was how i felt yeah so, so i will get into one small it's not even a real nitpick it's just like a kind of small nitpick uh if i can if i can do my own mansplaining about some of the concepts in the film um <laughs> um you know th i i don't think this film ever makes a real true decision on whether or not the idea of barbie is beneficial or mm. a detriment to women and it's sort of like you know you could do a film like this where it starts as a takedown of barbie and by the end of it you realize that barbie is actually a good thing but this film seems to bounce back and forth and maybe that's part of the point is that like barbie isn't good or bad that it's really what you do with the ideas that barbie represents that like turn into what you want to do there there was some weird tug that i was kind of wrestling with of like is this actually a dissection of the barbie trend and how it's actually harmful for young women or is this a film that's actually saying like it could be, but it's actually really beneficial in this way. If we, you know, if Barbie, you know, I don't know, there, there, I was, I was wondering what it was trying to say about that. And I couldn't fully understand what side it came down on. And it didn't feel like it was necessarily trying to play the full field. It just felt like it was kind of like when the moment called for it, either it's going to be like a, a sassy young uh, daughter of a woman who's going to try to do a takedown of what Barbie is, or it's going to be like an older woman who stands for the ideals of what Barbie, like, you know, mm -hmm. it kind of, kind of wanted to be all over the road and kind of say it's both good and bad. And I kind of wanted it to decide by the end, which one it is. And I wasn't sure it did that. So I don't know. What, what do you think yeah. of that, Steven? Well, I mean, I think that falls in exactly with the maybe unfair expectation I heaped on it, which was to say something specific. And I think what I realized, especially with its message on Barbie, is that's not what Greta Gerwig wanted to do. What Greta Gerwig wanted to do was say, 
I don't care if Barbie is good or bad. It's here. It's ours now. It's a part of pop culture. What are we going to do with it? Like, what are I've been handed the keys to this Barbie castle now. What am I going to say with my giant budget, with my platform, with my message? And it's just like a the whole movie is wrestling with the pros and cons. So it is having its cake and eating its too. It's getting to do everything at the same time because it's like yeah. you you get the scene where the little girl calls Barbie a fascist and you get comments of stereotypical Barbie and you get a narrator saying like, note, if you want to make a point about, you know, um, unrealistic expectations and ugliness or something like do not cast Margot Robbie in this movie. <laughs> but it also casts Margot Robbie in the movie, you know, like it, it yeah. gets to do everything at the same time um it gets to be diverse and show all these different versions of barbie but then spend 98 percent of the time with quote stereotypical barbie um i yeah where i landed is that the wrestling is very much the point greta wanted to have a conversation with the audience not have an answer or a message and i had the same feeling you did and it made me end the movie feeling like man i wish you had taken a stand i wish you'd said something more specific and i i just think knowing now that it wants to be wrestling with ideas or just churning through them i think i would probably have more fun if i just relaxed and let it be that without trying to figure out where she's going or what she's trying yeah. to say because what she is trying to say very much is how hard it is to be a person and like what it means to be a person you know like what does it mean to live in a world that's not perfect what does it mean to choose to deal with pain and frustration and what is your purpose in life and why do you keep on living you know it's it, again it's ladybird it's francis high it's like the it's the story of the millennial ennui thing that she does all the time um and I think it does that beautifully. Like if I let go of its desire to say something about Barbie or say something about womanhood and just let it be about living and being a person, then I think it actually has a lot of really beautiful moments. And it's just that expectation kind of weighed me down and kept me from fully embracing what it was trying to say. Yeah. And, and I, I think, uh, you know, like th there is a line towards the end of the film where it, it feels like Greta speaking out through Barbie where she talks about like, sure, I can be anything I want, but I don't want to be a fireman, a whatever, a president, any of that stuff. I want to be like somebody who, an idea person who comes up with the ideas that other people pursue and stuff like that. And it mm -hmm. felt like her speaking out through that in that moment. So much so that I was very, 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 very scared that in, there's a scene a sheer moment later where an SUV is mm. pulling up to a building and I thought for sure Greta was going to get out of that SUV herself. And I was like, don't yeah. do it. Don't, don't do it. Please don't do it. Please don't do it. And then I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> See, I knew she wouldn't because she's been promoting this movie. And I assume as a SAG member, she wouldn't be allowed to if she were in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely oh. had the same fear as you. And that's what I told myself <laughs> yeah, yeah. when it was happening. Um, oh. I want to get into first some things that I love. Like, um, first of all, Margot Robbie really is amazing as Barbie. It, you almost forget how hard it is to pull off that performance of being impossibly perfect and plastic and kind of silly. And then over time, becoming more and more human and have more questioning and more doubt. And I think she pulls it off so effortlessly. It doesn't even look like it's hard but it is like when when i played it back in my head later i feel like this is a very difficult role to pull off and i think she just completely nails it yep. um ryan gosling again call me a man <laughs> call me a MVP. 
I think he's low key the MVP, and I hate that I think that because yeah, I don't I don't want that to be my message, but he just. Because so much of the joy of this movie is making fun of oafish dudes and the patriarchy, Ken just gets so many of the biggest laugh lines. And Ryan Gosling 100% commits to the bit. Like, there's a recurring Matchbox 20 bit in this movie that had me, like, crying laughing. It was, like, so specific to our generation and to, like, yeah. just a, a, it just, like... It, it, to me, that was Gerwig like being her most millennial self is like, here's a very specific type of dude that I've been stuck with having like play guitar at me for hours yeah. and I'm going to make a movie about it. And, and Ken just, <laughs> Ryan is so good at it. And the way that joke continues to double down is so perfect. There's like a, mm -hmm. there's like a camera pullback in there where I was like, Jesus Christ, this is amazing. It's, it's amazing. Like, I honestly think the only person on the planet who has a genuine reason to feel offended by this movie is Rob Thomas, and he yeah. apparently likes it. So no one else has any reason to complain. Um, oh, good but times. yeah, like I like I think they're both really great in the movie. I had fun with all the different Barbies and Kens. Um, they don't each get a lot of screen time on their own, so there were no real standouts. But it was fun just seeing like a recognizable cast of comedy actors show up and play their part. Alan made me laugh. A lot uh michael sarah he's not in that much of the movie but i think he does well with what he needs to do yeah criticism time i never thought i would say this about a movie especially a broad comedy especially a broad <laughs> comedy involving toys will ferrell is not very funny in this movie at all i think he's in the wrong movie i think he's being so goofy but not in the right key that, that everyone else is playing in um and I just was feeling cringy whenever he was doing his big Will Ferrell thing because it just felt like the most lowbrow version of this Barbie movie and like not what Greta Gerwig was trying to do. Um, love me Will Ferrell, but I just I didn't anytime it really cut to him and the Mattel executives, I kind of felt like I was in a much worse, more sketch comedy version of Barbie and not like the actual movie I was watching. Yeah, I mean, I mean she's trying to portray the bumbling fools that are at the top of this corporation right like it's yeah i like when the when the guy goes down from upstairs you know co goes upstairs from downstairs and pushes the all the way up button on the elevator and first encounters that group i was i was kind of vibing with it but like i i think i think i'm on record as not being the biggest fan of will ferrell in general his shticks mm -hmm. hasn't always worked for me and it's kind of just he's a yelly guy right he's just always yeah yelly stomp his feet guy and it can be funny in small doses. Like I, I genuinely love Stranger Than Fiction, um, but like I feel like I'm mostly miss when it comes to him. Um, so he felt exactly like he was supposed to to me, just because I was like, yeah, you cast him to be that guy. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah it, it's you know, it was what it was. It, it, I think we spend enough time away from there that it's. It's uh, it didn't bother me too much, you know. It didn't it didn't spend enough time in that space mm. for me to like feel uh, hindered by it. Yeah, I guess what surprised me, and I I can retroactively rationalize it, is that the real world doesn't feel real in Barbie. The real world feels like just another toy house where people are behaving in an over the top silly way. <laughs> um, and I think I'm okay with that in hindsight if I think about it. But at the time, tonally, it was just not what I was looking for from the... Like, I, I thought a bumbling idiot CEO could be played 
so well by having like an arrogant over the top dude and having like a goofy man child just felt like the wrong the wrong note to hit for that yeah makes sense <laughs> um i mentioned that this is a movie that is kind of about what it means to be a person um i'm the easiest mark in the world for this shit there are two montages set to music in this movie of just like showing people going through life or like being kids or playing or adults having difficult times and both of them made me tear up um <laughs> even though the first one is kind of like meant to be a inversal where right after they're like nah pulling the rug out from under you yeah um they worked on me they they worked on me well i'm just i'm a sucker for that shit now if maxbox pony had been the uh been the soundtrack to those montages i would have been full-on bawling yeah yeah oh no it, it's so interesting the emotional levels that this film gets to because it you know what it's doing and it's it still feels surface level but the way they play everything together you're still like getting a little misty and you're like why am i getting misty this is like <laughs> this is kind of over the top manipulative but it's working on me somehow and it's just like you feel for like any time a character is having their moment to be sad about something you feel it um, emotionally hit you even though like you're like i know exactly what you're doing to me and i yeah. could i could just you know dodge out to the side to avoid this but you're just riding with it so you just let it wash over you um and you know uh, you're good on this film yeah now i do want to ask you how many children were in your screening of this movie i feel like none um there i think it was all adults a lot of couples and only a few people who had gone to see it themselves less people dressed up for the screening i was but it was also like two sundays after the movie came out or whatever mm -hmm. it was yeah yeah that, that's interesting because i'm curious how this would play for a kid because at least in the metreon i mentioned the babies that were in my screening um there were lots of kids like little kids or preteen girls or all sorts of people who were brought by their parents to uh to see barbie and i'm it just feels so squarely aimed at like adults who have memories of barbie and also have complicated feelings about the world that i i just kind of wonder how it feels to be a kid watching it if they just have fun with the production design and the over-the-top world or if they're kind of like lost and a little bored through most of the movie yeah it, it is interesting because like a lot of you know when, when when ip gets turned into a film that has like a big nostalgic push for like adults usually there's already been sort of a resurgence of it for younger kids right they have like the new version yeah. of it right there's something for them to connect on or it's so painfully obvious the kid appeal of the thing that just seeing a trailer yeah. they're like oh my god i want to see that right but i don't know that barbie mm -hmm. i mean ob obviously i'm quite disconnected from from young girls so <laughs> i don't i, I don't see day to day like oh yeah barbies are still a thing i remember the existence of barbies from as being like a property when i was a kid and i know that there's been like you know animated barbies with like all the different whatever right but like it feels like like my pretty pony and stuff like that sort of like i've absorbed that from culture more than i've mm. absorbed like barbie from culture so it was interesting to think of kids even be exciting excited about it and if like you know if 
grandmothers and mothers bring a daughter to the film with them, there might be an enjoyment of the fun there. But I wonder, depending on how young those girls go, how much they will pull out of this film or if it's something that resonates at all with them. Yeah. Yeah, because I think, you know, the classic line is that this is a movie made to sell toys. Like, that's the kind of cynical um, take on it. And I, I think this is a movie that made Mattel a shitload of money. So I'm sure they're very happy with it. I'm not convinced that any kids are going to go out and buy Barbies because of this movie. Like, it, I, my finger is definitely not on the pulse of that demographic at all. But it just, it doesn't feel like the kind of movie that, even though it is so much about Barbie, it doesn't feel like a movie that would instill obsession with the Barbie universe at all. It's like throwing too many complications to do that. Yeah, it's not like a thing where it's like you went and saw Pokemon and now you want to buy Pokemon cards or Pokemon plushies or anything like that. It's like, it's like, yeah. oh, that Barbie movie was colorful and fun. Am I going to play with Barbies or am I going to go play Fortnite or something? <laughs> Roblox, mm. you know, like our kids, what are kids doing nowadays? Yeah. Any last thoughts on this film, Stephen? Um, I just want to say, I think, you know, th this movie is great. And sometimes it's more interesting to just point out where you disagree with critical consensus. So I think I harped a little bit more on semi-negatives or things that I had been expecting to go differently. But again, I think given the assignment, the like overwhelming job of making this thing appealing and serve an older demographic and still be kid friendly for the most part and be positive and uplifting, but still be singular and have a point and seem realistic. Like I can't really imagine anyone doing it better. So I'm super glad this movie exists. Even if as an armchair quarterback, I'm just like, maybe the assignment isn't my favorite thing for people to be working on. <laughs> like I, I think somewhere the movie I really wanted to see the like, epic takedown of dude bro culture and the like the, the thing that really has something very specific to say about living as a woman in america and has maybe more teeth i think she's gonna make it someday i don't think you can really put that in a barbie movie i don't think it fits in narnia either so i, I don't know when i'm gonna see it but i think i'm excited for when greta gerwig decides to go gloves off and give me that movie too but for what it is i thought this movie was awesome cool um, well, I think it's about time to get into verdicts then, Stephen. If you're going to give this a must-see, recommend with a caveat, wait for until pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Uh, must-see, partly for the cultural phenomenon that it is. Like, you have to be a part of the Barbenheimer hype. But I also think this is just a extremely fun movie. It is... There's really nothing else like it, like, this big and weird while also being incredibly appealing to a large demographic of people like everything everywhere all at once i think is a significantly better movie than this if we're just comparing you know apples and oranges but in terms of broad audience appeal and the size and scale of it i can't think of anyone that has pulled off that trick better than this movie has um and you just you have to watch it like if you you don't want to be the kind of person who's like oh barbie that movie about a toy like watch it and see what it's about. I, yeah. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, it's and also watch everything else Greta Gerwig has done, including Nights and Weekends, which I have had a DVD of that for over 10 years. You can borrow it if you want. <laughs> it exists. It's a movie. She's considered a co-director. 
Steven, that might be one of those DVDs that is in a box somewhere in my apartment that you <laughs> you asked Probably. me to watch. Well, you're you're allowed to have it if <laughs> if you like. Because <laughs> there was at some point you handed me a DVD and said, watch this. And I said, I will. And then I set it on top of the thing. And then I will. I will. <laughs> <laughs> But I've, I've moved probably like 10 times since you handed me whatever the DVD is I'm thinking of. And it is yeah. maybe still in the apartment, maybe not. Knowing me, that is definitely the movie I handed you when I was in my mumblecore yeah. phase in like 2014. Yeah. Or it's possible that it's one of those movies where you handed it to me and I was going to watch it. And then certain things happened in my life. And I said, I'm not going to watch this right now. Well, you, you were... Yeah, that might be right. Well, you were in the Swanberg phase because you were really into easy. So I think, yeah, it, this must have been the movie I handed you. <laughs> anyway, watch everything Greta Gerwig does. Okay. It's great. I am going to rewatch Greenberg this week. That is a promise. I'm going to rewatch it and probably love it. And then I can say I love everything she does. Nice. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a must see for me as well. It feels kind of silly to say this on a podcast that is going to come out like weeks after this film is there. If you're listening to this, if you're even listening to our review of Barbara, you have already seen this film. <laughs> that is like 100% a fact. So it's not like, uh, my rating's going to sway you in any direction at all. But uh, turns out it's good. And uh, it's actually a clever way to take something that maybe didn't need a story and make a good story around it that actually is is clever and fun and uh yeah i i love the shit out of that film so there you go that's it um steven miller that brings us to the close of this review of barbie if people want to find it throughout the week where can they do that if people want to find me they can just roller skate to a boat to a rocket ship to a convertible and go to sdavidmiller.com or all the text-based social networks slash s david miller um x blue sky i'm on blue sky you know <laughs> just gotta brag about that oh we're having such a great time all the five people who are posting in my feed <laughs> it's, um yeah find me on all the things slash s david miller i feel like i'm not supposed to say twitter anymore so i need to come up with a new outro yeah um well it makes it feel any better if, if blue sky's lonely try having your own mastodon instance <laughs> <laughs> People can follow me at toots at ChristopherIRL.social, um, where you can see five things that I've tooted. Um, so. <laughs> you know, mastodons are really just man extenders from prehistoric times. <laughs> That's what I've been told. They're 100% man extenders. You seen that trunk? <laughs> um, but anyways, and the tusks. I mean, there are just all kinds of extensions there. Um mm. But anyways, I don't know where I was. So I'm just going to go on into, yeah, ChristopherInRealLife.com. Um, that one's real. The, the toots at ChristopherIRL.social is real as well. So um, that wasn't a joke, but there's as ba about as much content there as there is on my Twitter feed from the last two years. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the podcast, you can find that over the SpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the so show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher. Nope. <laughs> Oh, no, no more Stitcher. Dude. No more Twitter and no more Stitcher. Steven, I leave for two weeks and the friggin' social world and podcasting <laughs> just falls apart. Uh, I don't even know what to say at the end of an episode now if I can't say the same <laughs> shit that I say every episode. We need to rewrite the script. Yeah, we haven't changed that script in like a decade. <laughs> so Overcast, a defunct service, um, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, a um, bunch of places. Po Pocket Casts? 
podcast. I mean, podcast. Thing. You can subscribe to everything. Um, but uh, yeah, the podcast is still happening. Um, if you want to know the episodes go live, you can follow us at uh, x.com. <laughs> Spoiler warning. Facebook about <laughs> meta.com slash the spoiler warning. <laughs> or threads.com slash the spoiler warning. There you go. Yeah. Um, oh, man. I haven't updated. I guess Instagram is still Instagram. Threads yeah, Instagram is, is still Instagram. Instagram. Uh, so thank God something is still there and working. Um, but, uh, man, this is going great. <laughs> Um, this is our equivalent of getting cellulite and flat feet. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast used to work fine. What happened? Yeah, we're about to become weird podcasters. <laughs> we played too hard. <laughs> oh, I think. Uh, oh, yeah. Music for this episode will come from a little website, which as of the recording, I'm pretty sure still exists. And that is artlist.io. That's where I get uh, royalty-free tracks to throw on this. So I'll see if they got some sort of Barbie music to play. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, that, that, this has been fun, Steven. Um, it's good to be back. Uh, yeah, it feels good. I was just thinking the rules of podcast universe is if someone listens to us while they're doing really weird shit, then it fucks <laughs> up our recording. <laughs> yeah, that must be what's happening. Um, but Steven... We talked for a whole 45 minutes about uh, feminism. What do you say we go talk about blowing shit up? <laughs> Let's do it. All right. We're going <laughs> to take off and do our recording of Oppenheimer. We'll be back uh, in your feeds after this. Bye. Bye. Bye.